and of course we can't we can't really talk about this without talking about star wars right which is like the pivotal <laughs> thing for all yes, of us absolutely. in all of our lives star wars is the entry point for most things uh so yeah i mean hearing that music as a kid just blew me away it was it was it was so striking and so you know big and otherworldly and 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 uh that kind of showed me what uh you know what music could do um and uh i just remember crying every time the theme started as a kid you know tears would well up oh. i want to be my current self from this point forward i want to learn how to play piano working with human beings drinking wine in the middle of the day i want to be a Track driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? I'm Blake Fletcher, and this is the Half Hour Intern Podcast, where we explore the interesting paths people take in life. If you'd like to support episodes like this being made, please check out the show's Patreon page at patreon.com slash halfhourintern, where if you support the show, you will get extra content to most of the episodes like today's episode. In the interview, I speak with Chris Ferriera, which as I say that, I realize I might be overdoing it. Chris, I apologize. I should have double-checked with you exactly how to say your last name, but I believe it's probably Christopher Ferriera. Um, anyways, Christopher is... One of the most fun people I have ever interviewed. I I had the most fun interviewing Chris that I have had in a long time. He is just such an unbelievably nice, unbelievably cool dude with just such a great view on life and everything. He is a composer. And the very first question that we tackle, and he gives the best um, definition of it, is what exactly is a composer? Does that just mean that you write... Like, would a songwriter in a band, would they be a composer? Would the singer in a band be a composer? Would like What exactly defines a composer? And then we talk about the different things that he does. And the, the majority of this interview is focused on his uh, composition for movies because there's so much to take apart there and to tackle with doing the sound for movies and the music composition in, in big dramatic pieces and then trying to do um, this this more subtle sort of stuff behind the scenes and everything. Uh, it's, it's just really fascinating. And, and Chris also just makes absolutely gorgeous music and does other things in composition as well. But uh, the majority of this will focus on what he does for movies. So without further ado, here is Composer. Chris, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Hey, thank you for having me, Blake. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So I would first like to start with if you could just define for us what a composer is exactly. Because when I heard that you are a composer, the first thing I thought is like, what exactly defines a composer? Like, would someone like Mm -hmm. uh, Paul McCartney be considered a composer? Like, if I wrote a song on my acoustic guitar and I was singing, would I then be a composer or a songwriter? Are those lines blurry? Um, what exactly makes a composer? Yeah, um, I think the term composer is kind of a blanket blanket term uh, for someone who writes uh, music. Um, just like we would say a writer, well, a novelist can be a writer, uh, a technical you know, writer could be a writer, a journalist could be a writer, a poet could be a writer. Um, a composer, I think, is a blanket term that covers people who work with sound. Um, a songwriter is more specific, someone who writes strictly songs. Um, 
I'm not that familiar with other things Paul McCartney has done, but you know, I consider him a songwriter, writing in song form. Um, a composer is maybe someone who works in different mediums of of sound, maybe with different instruments, uh, you know, uh, different forms like dance, uh, uh, different mediums like film, different types of music like underscore. Uh, but it's it is it is a good question, you know, it, where those lines are. Um, there's also people who just work with sound in general, uh, who are considered composers with sound, you know, creating abstract art with through the medium of, you know, electronically produced sound. It's um, right. Like doing sound effects on movies and stuff like that. Sure, sure. Um, they, you know, they aren't con technically called composers, but there's there's many places where those lines do blur, where the the film composer is kind of doing some sound design elements, sound effect type stuff, um, abstract sound that fills a musical space in the film, if that makes sense. Um, that it acts musically um, and and produces the emotional effect which is desired from music in film right right man that was a great definition i already feel more intelligent during oh, this interview. <laughs> that's great um so before we move on further you mentioned something there i, I think you use the term underscore is that what you say like what what is that uh underscore in a film or television or any dramatic work is when the music is not the front and center in focus. So uh, if you have a dramatic scene where uh, two people are talking um, in order to build intensity often or to just kind of give us a an emotional arc uh, to follow as viewers, there will be um, subtle music underneath, um, typically, you know, strings because there's they can be so transparent um, and and thin. Um, and contribute uh, a feeling of emotion um, that the director or the, the the scene is trying to convey. Okay, um, but more in the background than if, let's say, there was some big like love scene between two people on opposite sides of a field running towards each other, and there's just this big musical score exactly. as they're running towards each other. That would be a regular score, but the underscore would be more subtle during a scene where there's probably more happening than that. That's exactly right. And underscore is 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 a almost a different, you know, a different beast. It's it's to to articulate those kind of subtle movements without getting in the way uh, is 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 an art in and of itself that um, is very beautiful, just as scoring the big dramatic meadow scene, you know, with the with the big, you know, orchestrated theme is is another thing uh, that's 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 very different, but beautiful. Okay, I want to break that apart a lot more, but we will do that later in the interview. Sure. Um, first, if you could just uh, take us back in your own history and talk to us about what made you want to become a composer. I, I know a lot of kids who like pick up a guitar and they're really into it, and so many uh, people that I know like were in bands in high school and stuff. I started a band with my friends briefly. Uh, like what I, I never heard anyone when I was younger say, you know what? I want to be a composer. It's always like, I want to be a rock star or something, you know? So what was your path to becoming a composer? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, as a kid, you know, like all kids, I love music. I think all, all kids just love music. Um, 
And uh, I had a friend who played piano and I was just blown away by the just the, the way it sounded. It just it, it, it was it was it was I, it was just amazing. It was like magic to me. And whenever I would uh, pass by a piano, I knew, you know, friends, I would go to their houses. Maybe they had a piano that was just, you know, sitting there dusty in the corner. I would always, you know, put the sustain pedal down and 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 just go up and down the keyboard, you know, not doing anything, just making sound. But I was just so blown away by the beauty of, of the sound of that instrument. Um, and yeah, I, I and so I loved it, always wanted to play. Um, but actually, I, you know, and of course, we can't we can't really talk about this without talking about Star Wars, right? Which is like the pivotal <laughs> thing for all yes, of us absolutely. in all of our lives. Star Wars is the entry point for most things. Uh, so yeah, I mean, hearing that music as a kid just blew me away. It was it was it was so striking and so you know big and otherworldly and 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 uh, that kind of showed me what. Uh, you know, what music could do. Um, and uh, I just remember crying every time the theme started as a kid, you know, tears would well up. Oh. So that's so, so great. Uh, man, what, yeah. a, what a connection you had. I, I feel like so many kids, uh, you know, it's like you, you notice how great those things are. It, it's almost like you subconsciously notice how great those things are. You know, mm-hmm. like um, when when Vader is in a scene and they start playing uh, the music of the Empire and stuff like that, it's, you know, it's very, it's so powerful. But, you know, as a kid and, and, and even as an adult, for the most part, you're more concerned with Vader, you know, or you're more concerned with just nerding out on oh, Star yeah. Wars as a whole. It's amazing how connected you were to the music, um, even as a child, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think I, I've always had a very strong empathy for music. So, uh, it, you know, it, when I when I compose, uh, it's from an emotional place, usually, uh, at least when I compose my own my own music, um, and yeah, the I, I think emotional empathy and music for me was always the thing. Uh, it was always the my entry point into music was uh, was feeling the emotion of it, and 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 often it would overwhelm me. I mean, it's and it still does. I go to movies and I, and the music, I just I start crying. You know, I can't help it. <laughs> wow, that's so cool. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, does that happen in other areas of your life? Is it like do you do you find that you are a a more emotional person than than most people that you know in terms of other areas of your life as well, or does it kind of strictly stick with music? I think it's pretty well compartmentalized, you know, into into music. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say that I'm extremely emotional. Yeah, it's that's of course a very hard question for me to answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think my girlfriend might disagree with me saying I wasn't emotional with other aspects. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to get her on here. Yeah, exactly. But um yeah, it does I I think that it's pretty well compartmentalized into 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 the music. Cool. Cool. So, let's talk about then this becoming a actual living for you. I would imagine it's not the easiest thing to really see a direct path for yourself when you're younger as a career. Um, were you just kind of doing this as a hobby and it naturally evolved into a career or did you really set out like, I am for sure going to make this a job for myself? Uh, no, no, it was more of a natural evolution. Like you said, I mean, I, uh, so, uh, 
going back to your previous question, which I didn't finish, I don't think, uh, I, I, I studied uh, theater, actually, um, in college, and, uh, <clears throat> and, and it was only when studying theater, and, and, and I wanted to be an actor, and uh, I actually went to L.A. to become an actor, and, and the industry itself was a big turnoff to me, and I decided that that wasn't something I wanted to do. Um, in the in the same time, I actually started learning uh, about music uh, from a technical level and playing music with with people that I knew. Uh, I started very late in music um, and learning about it, so I didn't start playing the piano until I was in my twenties. Uh, so. Um, so, so where was I with that? Um, I, I just want to say, first of all, that you just blew yeah. my mind saying that. I mean, I've heard your piano pieces and they are so beautiful. I, I, oh, I figured you. you would probably started playing when you were like three years old or something. No, 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 no. I, I wanted to play. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I always, I always would play when I passed a piano or something. You know, I was in the choir in high school, but I was mostly doing musical theater and very into theater. Um, so in my 20s, I kind of gave that L.A. dream up, the actor thing, and I uh, moved back up here. I started playing on my own. I lived in a warehouse with a, a bunch of artists, and uh, I started just playing piano on my own, kind of self, self-teaching, um, which I don't advise people to do because it's a really long and arduous route <laughs> <laughs> to learning the piano. Yeah, if only um, they had YouTube back then, you know? Yeah, right, right, absolutely. Um so I, you know, I started creating music. I also played uh, guitar and bass. I played bass in a band. Um, I, I, I started, you know, I had a four track. I was, this is still when people had four track recorders with a cassette tape. Um, and uh, I would record pieces of music, you know, sometimes abstract, sometimes, you know, songs. Uh, and I got some keyboards and I started making stuff. And then I started, you know, because I had been in uh, theater and musical theater, I also knew a lot of actors who then went on to become directors. So that became a kind of an entry point for me to uh, make music for a medium. You know, uh, I also people who became dancers, people who, be, you know, so so I started making music for people's, you know, independent films, small, you know, college films and this kind of thing at the same time that they were making these films. And uh, and that was my entry point into into it. That's great. Uh, so you, I assume, had just some sort of other kind of side job at the time. Uh, that you were doing all of this, and then you started to just pick up more work as a composer. Absolutely, and and you know, I mean, it's always it's always an uncertain path, uh, and you know, I I still to this day sometimes have to pick up other things, you know, when it's when it's required. Um, yeah, talk about that a little bit. I I mm-hmm. wanted to ask you about that anyway, so that's great that you just brought that up. I have had people on the show before that have. Um, somewhat similar life roles to yours if you want to call it that and and yet we've never really talked about this which is just uh, trying to deal with the uncertainty of work as you get older most people as they get older they look for more and more security in their life you know or or you value it much more and you value consistency and regularity um what what has it been like for you having this kind of uncertain paycheck and uncertain line of work and not knowing what's going to be happening six months from now or a year from now Right. Um, you know, uh, it can be a challenge. Uh, 
I would say that I've never put uh, making a living as my top priority, um, which, you know, is, is maybe not the smartest thing to do. I've always, you know, making things that I want, doing, uh, growing, self-growth and self-realization, you know, if you want to call it that, have been um, more, uh, more of my focus. Um, but you are right that as you get older, you are looking for more of that, you know, steadiness, growth, regularity, um, and security. Uh, I'm pretty used to it at this point. Um, and, and, you know, there, if you look at the big picture, sometimes you can say, well, I, I, even though I can't predict what a year is going to be like from now, I can look at the larger picture that I have experienced in the past few years and go, okay, things are going to be okay. Um, for me, the, the, the more that I go into and focus on, uh, the music that I want to create, that I am interested in, that I'm trying to create what, uh, what, what it feels like, uh, learn about the musics that I want to learn about. The more I focus on those important things to me, the better I feel about uh, myself and about life in general. Uh, so those things are, are my focus now, you know, again, maybe not the wisest thing. Um, it is though. I was just, man, I was just thinking as you said all that, okay. I, I, I go like everyone in life does, you know, you go through these periods where you're stressed about this or anxious about finances or like down on yourself mm. for something, but what you're talking about and living from your heart and, and, and living from something that makes you passionate and chasing that instead and living in the moment is, is so infinitely valuable because whatever you are doing then you will be doing to the best of your ability always and, and that is always going to be the correct path for success is to be doing the thing that is currently interesting you um the Absolutely. sure it might it might be difficult because you're then not picking up as much steam or you don't have the security that we talked about or this or that but um, if you're completely in it, then you're in it to win it, you know? So yeah. it, it just makes sense that, that that sort of what other people might consider like a, um, I don't know, like a vagrant, like wandering attitude is actually a very good attitude to have business wise. Yeah. Well, it can be a, you know, a slow development, you know, when you follow your, follow your bliss for, you know, just to, you know, call it that. I, I think it can be a very slow, circuitous path to uh, uh, to to uh, uh, where you're going uh, in other people's eyes. Um, but you are right that when you're doing it out of love, out of joy that, uh, for the thing that you're creating, then it's going to be good. And if it's good for for you, if you think it's good, th there's going to be an audience for it. Um, it's the one of those build it and they will come kind of scenarios. Um, that's how I feel about about that. Yeah, love it, man. Um, so something I would like to know is if you consider yourself to be introverted or not, because it strikes me as a type of career that would kind of lead to e e both A, attract people who are introverted and B, almost lead to introversion and I feel like that's all very strange and difficult because it also strikes me as a, a job in an industry where you would really need to network a lot to be able to get work and to make a paycheck mm. happen. Um, 
do you consider yourself to be introverted? And I guess talk about that dichotomy between trying to get your work out there, um, but just kind of wanting to make music. Yeah, I, you know, I, I definitely am an introvert. Uh, I spend lots of time alone and this career requires a lot of time, you know, alone with machines and with instruments uh, on your own, uh, which I enjoy, which I, I thoroughly enjoy and which, you know, feeds me. Um, that said, I also do, I do love people and I have uh, an extrovert side of me as well, but you're right that it, the, I think now with the internet, actually, it requires less uh, of, you can do a, quite a bit of networking just sitting in front of your computer by yourself <laughs> as, an intro, as an introvert. Yeah. Um, but, but you are right that it is uh, an industry where you are dealing with lots of people and you're dealing with a lot of people often in high stress situations. So uh, you do have to have good people skills and know how to navigate that, which often introverts, I think, don't really have. Um, and I think that's a that's a big challenge. I know a lot of amazing uh, musicians, composers who aren't able to uh, function well in this business because they don't have good um communication skills for lack of a better way of putting it yeah they don't like putting up with people in those high stress situations and that's right and 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 you know it's different languages the language maybe they speak a very technical language about their music and they're very focused on you know oh but uh this one aspect is so important or 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 this dated uh you want this you know 1980s music score but you're not you know, willing to use 1980s instruments. You want all these contemporary sounding things. I don't, what, what? And, and people get hung up on uh, their own uh, uh, points of view, you know, as a composer, as an artist. Um, and the industry itself doesn't want to hear any of that. The industry itself wants it done yesterday and wants it to sound like The Matrix or wants it to sound like this, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, you you do need to have a lot of those extrovert people skills. For, I think for me, uh, the, the that side comes from all the theater I did um, in high school and in college because that's a very you know, uh, you know, you're getting a lot of attention. You're talking a lot to people. You're on stage. You're performing. So I think that uh, I do have that side, but it's not um, innate. It's not natural to me as much as it's something that I'm versed in. Right. Right. It's interesting hearing you talk about the um, kind of push and pull between what maybe you want to do as the artist versus what if, let's say, you're doing a score for a movie or something, what they kind of need or want on their end. Um, talk to us right. a little bit more about that, about trying trying to balance like your artistic integrity with actually getting yeah. paid and fulfilling a job contract. Yeah, you might do, I mean, you might think that you've created the greatest thing for a scene and you might have spent, you know, oh God, days, you know, hours. Depend. I mean, of course it depends on, you know, the timeline of the project, but you might have spent a long time and really think that you have a coup with this piece of music and the, and the director sees it and is just like, mm, uh, I don't really like it, you know, <laughs> it's not really what, where it's at. And, you, you know, I mean, that's one of my faults is I'm a perfectionist and I work sometimes uh, 
disproportionately to the level of importance of something. So if I find a nugget that I feel is like, oh, this is this is the where I want to put my. It feels good. This is something. This is really something. Uh, often that energy is misplaced because that gets cut, and they go, no, I want something else. And you know, early on, that would just frustrate me i can only uh, imagine you got to feel like you're just like this is the best part like what are you right. talking about yeah and you're gonna you're gonna kill this thing i made you know you don't even want what uh yeah and 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 you have to deal with that and you have to and it's tough i mean from a technical point of view it can be tough because you're writing based on your instincts and your instincts are what guide you and you trust your instincts and so you know, your instinct was, I'm going to compose this, you know, this type of music for the for the score right here. And they say, no, 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 we want, you know, like a, a, a piece that's different than that, more driven or w whatever it may be. Uh, and so you're kind of then have to try and understand it through their eyes and and go against what your initial instincts were and what you spent time working on. And and that's that's a real challenge. Um to to because you still want the the new thing that you create to be honest and realized and so you really have to figure out how to go into uh into their vision um that's in fact that's a huge part of what the job is and and that connects to the empathy thing i was talking about is the ability to go into other people's visions of of what is this world what is this thing you're creating uh how can i how can i connect to it what what can I bring to this world? What are the feelings in this world? What are the colors? What are the what are the textures? What kinds of sounds do you hear? Um, so these questions you're asking right there right now are these not rhetorical? Are these literal? Like has has this working process between you and directors and this and that kind of and and the times that you used to get frustrated when you were younger? It, did that kind of like change the questions that you asked them up front to to try to reduce the amount of frustration you feel? Yes, absolutely. Um, that's my way of composing is, is, you know, is connection with the feeling. So yes, I am, I'm always asking about, you know, uh, what type of score do they hear? What are the, uh, in terms of maybe other films that we've seen or, uh, all, and again, I, I think a lot in, in colors, you know, I've, I've even worked on things where there was no film yet. But it's described to me as uh, uh, um, the type of feeling, what maybe the story is, what is what the 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 setting is, what the style is. And then I've kind of created demos based on on that. Um, so, uh, yes, I've had to refine my approach uh, to closer get the director what they want um, on the first pass without having to do a lot of revision. Uh, I've had to be smart about, you know, how, 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 how do I connect to this thing? So what are the right questions that I need to ask in order to get them what they want? I feel like it sounds like you must just be a dream of a composer to work with. Like after you work with people, are they just like, oh my God, like, thank you so much. Like, it was, it was so refreshing to work with someone that that's treating this project like this. Uh, I, that's hard for me to say. I mean, I, uh, I think, I think I'm, I've gotten better because, uh, you know, uh, we all have, you know, I, I, I can get very, uh, under stress. We all can get 
um, you know, the, the lesser part of ourselves can shine through. And for me, that can be, you know, uh, I have that as well. And when I'm under a lot of stress and being asked to change this and change that, I can, I can be a, a bit of a, you know, a, you know, grumpy, uh, <laughs> you know, I get the job. One thing I do is I always get the job done and I get it to everyone's satisfaction on time and sounding good. Uh, you know, that is, that's, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes to do that. I'm not, you know, I'm always going to deliver. I never yeah. haven't. So, uh, so I, I think, and then, you know, in terms of once it's done and we're mixing the thing, you know, all the music's in and we're mixing it. Oh, I just love that feeling, you know, because, you know, now it's just, Ooh, bring this up a little bit, you know, adjust that, change that. Uh, and, and the real work of composing is done. So that's kind of a different stage. And at that point, I think, uh, I, I am a lot of fun to work with because, um, uh, you know, I, I love I love the film I've, at that point. I know all the music. I know all the scenes. I can, you know, talk to the director and the mixer about, oh, you know, we need to emphasize this because because uh, and it's a different side that comes out then. So uh, I think I, I have something good to offer at the end. Yeah. Yeah. The collaborative aspect is, is still mm. fun to you. Yes, absolutely. So out of it, earlier, you told us about all these different sorts of paths that you could take as a composer and the different like forms it takes um you've done quite a few of these things so what would you say out of all the different things that you've done as a composer is your favorite type of project to work on would it just be songwriting would it be working with movies with television for a play yeah uh i mean that's a that's a really good question because they're all very different uh i lately I mean, I would love, well, lately, I really enjoy uh, working with other composers. So lately, I've been doing uh, occasionally stuff with another fellow. Um, The reason being, uh, we all have our, you know, the job is so big. Um, You're often expected to wear many, many, many hats. And you can't be, you can be, you know, satisfactory at all of them but you're not going to be excellent at all of them so everyone brings a different thing and when you find someone you can work with who you have a commonality but then they have skills that you aren't as sharp at and you have ones that they aren't as sharp at you can really uh you know complement each other and do great work together so i'm looking forward to doing more of that um that is something that excites me very much now in doing that, what does that film? Film is great. Film is uh, is big. Film is is like a life investment. You know, it might be you know a, a, a month. It might be a, a few weeks. It might be a couple weeks. But that period feels uh, it feels long because you're doing it's something so big uh, and there's so much to do. Um, <clears throat> so. And and it's all and it's very intense and can be stressful. Um, so you know that is one feeling which can be a fun thing to dip into on occasion. Um, you know, I I love doing. Uh, I did a a play of the Elephant Man in L.A. I loved doing that because oh wow, I was on stage again and I could be with actors and I'm playing piano on the stage. You know, kind of doing the writing the music for the the thing as they were rehearsing it. It was a very exciting thing. You wow, know? that must have been awesome. Oh, it was so cool. Very, very, you know, a great energy. Uh, so, so very creative. Uh, 
that was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, right now I'm so I'm fo- I'm working on more uh, piano pieces. I'm I'm making a, um, a classical record that I'm kind of reinterpreting a lot of uh, pieces from other composers. So I've been working on that, and that's a very singular work, uh, working by myself, you know, all day. Um, and I do enjoy that as well. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would love to do, I would love to write some theme songs, you know, I love anime, Japanese anime, and yeah. I would love to write like some anime theme songs. I mean, I've, I've written some, <laughs> that would be I, awesome. I know it's totally crazy, but I've written, sometimes that music is just so cool. I've written, uh, I've written some demos and I, and I love, I just love that medium. So theme songs. Yeah. I would love to do more of that. Um, I've done a few and, 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 and I, and I like them. Man, uh, that's so cool. How often are you sitting down to write music like that? And do you set aside separate time to sit down and write music? Like, let's say, um, this classical album that you're working on or, uh, making a theme song or whatever it is. Uh, do you set aside separate time for that than when you just sit down to play music for fun? Or is it kind of like any time I sit down to play music, you never know what's going to happen and I might come up with something amazing? Right. So, well, there's kind of three things. When I have a job, that's all I work on. Um, when I'm working on a gig for someone, you know, be that whatever it may be. Um, uh also, you know, just to really quick, being a composer is also very cross-disciplinary, you know, uh, because people go, oh, you you know, you work with Pro Tools, right? You know, okay, well, can you help me clean up this dialogue? Can you do this dialogue edit for me? Uh, so I've, I've done more and more of various, you know, sound effects, you know, doing, uh, mixing, I've mixed a film, you know. Uh, a lot of the disciplines that are inherent in composing um, you know, you, you have the tools and you over time start to do more of this kind of post-production soup, um, especially on low budget things. They don't have the money to, you know, do things. So maybe start by doing it as a favor. It goes on, you know, on and on. So, um, so yes. So I just wanted to, because that, that is something I think all composers face is that they do, you know, they end up writing the music, but they also often have to mix the music. For they often sure. have to mix other people's music. They have to, you know, sometimes do underscore, which then leads them into doing sound effects, which then leads them into doing sound design. Uh, and then people, like I said, dialogue stuff, cleaning dialogue, etc. So, I mean, it makes so much sense. Although it's not your area of expertise, it, depending on the room you're in, you're still the smartest guy in the room. So you might as well exactly. give a exactly. crack at it. Exactly. And, and, and over time, you know, the, 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 the same tools for, you know, these things are used, you know, for, for let's say cleaning dialogue, the same principles apply as in with mixing music, even though it's, it's a different thing. So you, you can get good at it without, you know, with, with some work. Um, but going back to what you said, yeah. So when I'm doing a, a job, that is the job of the day. Um, and when I don't, when I'm not doing a job and I have free reign, I'm usually working on. So in this case, I'm working on these classical pieces that I said, um, that becomes my total focus. Uh, there's no room for anything else. Uh, when when if i didn't have that then i you know again with the disciplines 
you know, I have to practice piano. I have to practice my sight reading. You know, I have to, I have to keep up on my instrument. I have to keep growing on my instrument. I have to keep listening to other people's music and understand, you know, understanding it, uh, feel, you know, uh, maintaining you know, b being contemporary in a sense you know being up on what's going on in the world uh so there's a there's a lot to do um you know even learning about music gosh you know uh yeah so so there's always a lot to do in terms of writing i just so there's two ways in which i write one of course there's writing for a job uh, when someone asks you to write and then you sit down and you try and approach, you know, what what they want you to the project that they're they're after. Um, and then there's when you're compelled to write. Um, and when I'm compelled to write, because like I said, I'm an emotional, I emotionally connect to music is usually when I it could be I, I hear a story on the radio. It could be I, 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 you know, I hear a piece of music or I, I mean, once I saw a, um, a circus performance, like a dinner, uh, theater, uh, circus, t uh, Teatro Zinzani, I saw a show the first time I saw their show in San Francisco, I was so blown away by the feeling and the, the, just the magic, the ambience, the, the whole thing that I went home and I wrote a piece of music, um, that was trying to capture that what that feeling was to me uh and that later became a theme for a movie uh because it was honest it was it was so honest um so when i'm compelled to write uh i i sit at the piano and i and i write because i have to or, or i'm trying to translate a feeling that i had something i heard something i saw something that i experienced um and then, uh, like I said, there's there's also the the work of writing, which is a job or or whatever. Um, sometimes I feel that uh, I work from a notebook often. You know, like we all have our sketchbooks, and we go, oh, what's something? I need a love theme for this, or I need a theme for that. You know, let's go look in the sketchbook. And for me, you know, the sketchbook is I. I throw on the handheld recorder and I leave it on top of the piano and I just that's the one time where I kind of go, you know, free form, start start creating, trying different things, uh playing around and improvising essentially and and I just record it and maybe uh down the road I take that recorder and I put it on the com the files on the computer and I kind of categorize them and I go, "Oh, this would make a good love theme. This is trash." This is, you know, this is, this would be a good, you know, dramatic action theme. This would be a good, and I kind of categorize them. And later when I have a project, I can then go to that and I can look at them and, and go, oh, here's a, this is actually great for this project. I mean, I've done that so many times and it's, it's a lifesaver because you have the uh, essence of something true there and then you can adapt it to this thing and it's not creating on demand. You know, That's you already have so a so great. God, what yeah. a good idea. It's, yeah, like it takes away from the whole um, sort of writer's block that I imagine can come up in music the same way that it does for actual writers, you know? And oh, it's like, yeah. oh, cool. I, I wrote this at a time when I was actually inspired. I don't have to force inspiration right now and make a worse piece of music. Absolutely, right. And you, so you already have the, the kernel of something that you can, the seed of something which you can then adapt, which is much easier to, to do that. So, yeah. Right. 
Man, Chris, I just want to say how unbelievably envious I am of you um, with your story of the circus and then earlier talking about crying during Star Wars. Like, I, I, I'm so envious <laughs> of you and people like you. Uh, it, 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 like, it makes me feel like a robot or something that, th- that things like that aren't happening for me. And I always wonder, like, what is it like to be someone like that? Like, what is it like to be someone who spontaneously starts crying during Star Wars because the music is so beautiful? Like, I feel like you uh, must be just like a uh, freaking like Zen master guru. Like, the level with which you must be living <laughs> in the moment to be able to have something like that happen to you is like... That's what monks are trying to do for their entire lives is to, to like reach right. that level of in the momentness, and you're doing it as a child, just spontaneously crying while watching Star Wars because the music is beautiful. It's it's amazing. I love that. Right, right. Well, I mean, the the crying in the music is nothing. I mean, I had a friend once who had some very rare incense and. He had an excellent wine and this excellent incense, this amazing incense, and the smell of the incense and the taste of the wine. And I just started crying. It oh. just bam, because it was just so powerful of a of a feeling. It's uh, so he still jokes with me to this day about that. I remember that time you cried when I lit that incense. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I remember. Um, so so yes yes no I I actually I think. It, the, I wish that it made me an awesome person uh, <laughs> and, and a monk and, and capable of amazing feats. But, you know, I think the truth of it is, is it actually forces me to close off a lot in 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 many areas because I can't run around crying all the time, you know, or being <laughs> entirely empathetic all the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, you know, because the, it's a nasty world out there sometimes. And. Uh, and if you let everything, if you absorb everything, it, it hurts too much, you know? Um, so I actually am pretty, uh, like I said, it, it, the emotion is compartmentalized in certain, I mean, it, it, it comes out everywhere, but, uh, you know, my experience of life, that is the narrative of my experience of life to me, you know, is, is these emotional moments that happen all the time, but, I, I still struggle. I have to struggle with, you know, uh, protecting Walking around myself. with your guard up almost. Yeah, I have to protect myself. And and that protection be, can be can become overbearing and too much, uh, especially to the people who are close to you sometimes. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it, it creates a lot of struggle in me as opposed. But maybe one day I'll be like the Zen daddy dude. <laughs> you know? For sure. Um, Something tells me you're going to be like the coolest old man ever. You'll just oh, have like I, a like a long gray ponytail. And, right, yeah. right, right. As, as, <laughs> I've known a lot of cool old guys, so I, I definitely aspire to one day uh, be one of them. There's so. nothing that I look forward to more than getting old. Like, oh, man, it's, right. it's going to be so awesome being a cool old man. There's just no, going to be nothing old. greater. Yeah, no, I know. I know. I mean, I have some pivotal pivotal old fellows in my life that i just love and love spending time with and they've given me so much as a young man and uh when i was a young man rather um and uh yeah i I hope to be one of those dudes for all the all the young dudes out there you know yeah a there's like that part of it is is great to uh just be kind of the laid-back cool awesome older guy just giving people advice and stuff like that 
And then I also really can't wait for the days when I have like my own old man coffee shop, you know, and it's like I get to just get refills at my like crummy diner with like cup of coffee after cup of coffee. And I have like the paper in my hand and like I'm just by myself and I just sit there for two hours every day. And like the waitress knows my name and she knows how many cups of coffee I'm going to drink. And like, man, I I love that type of old man, too. You know, like the, the, the old man at the diner. Well, I always think of like the in you know if you go to Europe and in, in you know the piazza in Italy or whatever you got these old guys who come out you know sometimes every day but definitely on Sunday and they're all dressed in their suits you know but they got nowhere to go they just sit out there and drink coffee and and talk and all day and you know I look forward to that too sitting around with your friends yes you know and you you know you don't care about much at the, you know you care life's uh, difficulties get whittled down to a you know a few I think uh, you care much less about what people think so I look I definitely look forward to being one of those old fellas in the piazza drinking the coffee. Man, and, uh, we got to meet yeah. back up again when we're in like our 70s or something. I don't think <laughs> I've right. ever met another man that uh, has shared my my desire to be an old man. This is oh, great. Yeah. Uh, Plenty of time for chess, you know, all the, you know, all of it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Man, I, I got to get I got to get an old man on the show. I don't know why I haven't thought to just have old man as an episode of the show yet. And especially right. someone like you were saying in like Italy or France or something like that. That would be perfect. And just oh, man. find yeah. out like what just a whole Sunday is like, you know. Right. And what are the things that are important to you now versus when you were, you know, in your career? What, you know, what do you, what do you enjoy? What part of the day do you enjoy the most? You know, what are your routines? Oh, man, it'd be great. Yeah. So much good life advice. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's bring it back to the modern day here. Um, yeah. So let's talk about the uh, film and television and that sort of work that you do. So um, when you are doing a score like that, how much of a finished visual product do you typically need before you start working on it? I know you said like sometimes they might not kind of have all of it. Is that atypical? Do you usually get like a fully finished scene, a partially finished scene? What happens? Uh, it, it can be any number of things. Like I said, I've worked on things that were concepts uh, that didn't even have a, a, a film shot yet. But I've also done, you know, often you get the the mostly finished thing the 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 film's been edited and it's going to get changed um which is its own presents its own set of problems and that's its own dance you know generally you get handed the project it's a rough cut uh you start to so you pitch different you have a spotting session well it could be any okay so <laughs> typically there there already will be music in your rough cut these days the editor puts in you know this popular piece of music you know this you know stuff from different movie scores the editors have you know sometimes library music whatever um they they put in music then you typically get together with the director sit and watch the film and talk about each uh, each scene with music, you know, or without what, what does this need music? What type of music? Um, it's the composer's job to, uh, help flush out. What is the musical vocabulary of this film? What is the, the feeling of this film? You know, when often when, uh, you, the editor cuts together, uh, many different pieces of music into the film, you have this kind of hodgepodge, this kind of you know, soup of many styles of music, um, which don't really fit together. Um, and 
as a composer, it's generally your job to kind of come in and, and create a cohesive sound, a cohesive world, a cohesive feeling for the film itself. So you'll sit with the director and and go through and talk about the needs of each individual scene uh, and instrumentation, maybe. Uh, and, and that's called a spotting session. Uh, it has many forms, you know, you might do it, you know, you might watch the film and do it over the phone or you might sit there in the same room and do it. Um, but, uh, that, that is the typical way. Um, and then inevitably, you know, as you go along, you start, so that, so then you start pitching kind of sounds, feelings. So I might even use other people's music for that. Again, just like the editor, I cut together my own thing, maybe using artists that I think would be more appropriate. Um, you know, I say for this scene, what about this, these kinds of sounds, you know, these, this kind of, uh, these kinds of textures, these kinds of instruments to, for the score. Um, uh, they say, no, I want a symphonic score. You go, okay. Um, uh, so, so, so I go through the, that process. So then I know what our world is and they go, yes, I, I want this world. We agree on that. Then I start composing uh and creating uh, and there's like you know a feedback that goes on between the editor the director and the composer um on the other, on that end they're still working with producers with with you know other people uh and they're still kind of editing and refining the film uh as a composer that can be tough because you know a lot of what we do is tempo based um and you know, when the scene has a certain tempo and what that tempo is defined by is the speed of the cuts of the edit, uh, the tempo of the dialogue, the tempo of how long the scene is, uh, what's it bookended by, you know, where's it coming from and where's it going to. Um, so there's many things that kind of define what the tempo of a scene the music the tempo of a music should be for a particular scene so is now, there is there cutting scenes out of a movie are you having to keep on go every time they make a cut you have to go back and redo the, the music around that whole area i would imagine right sure but not just cutting a scene cutting a scene's a little easier but when they cut a large chunk out of a scene or add a big chunk or change the order of scenes you know all of these things uh, can really wreak havoc on the music. Like I said, sometimes you have a piece of music that weaves, you know, it starts, it starts in one place and then it kind of evolves. And, you know, these things are, are, can be complex to do, uh, to create. And then it goes here. I mean, a great example is like the orchestration in, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark when, uh, Indiana Jones is, you know, packing up and getting ready to go. And, um, his, his, the fellows, if I was 20 years younger, I'd go myself that, and he's, you know, he says, you know what a cautious fellow I am and throws the gun into the suitcase. That scene has every musical theme. It has the, the arc theme. It has the Marion theme, the love theme. It has the Indiana travel theme. And it, the, the music weaves through magically through all that. Now, if the composer wrote that and then they said, well, we're going to actually extend the scene to here. Well, all those little movements in the music are based on, you know, lines that, you know, Harrison Ford says, you know, they're based on what's happening in that scene. And so suddenly that whole cue has to get rewritten. Um, 
So, you know, that's Man, a, so crazy. Yeah. So that's a technical hurdle, which, you know, you find ways of not committing um, to something too far as a composer, you know, uh, without getting too technical, you know, you can, you know, you don't mix everything at, until you're at the very end. You know, you try and get a rough sound quality, you know, you don't bounce everything out and mix it and make it so you can't change it until it's finalized till picture's locked. And even when picture is quote locked, you know, it often is changed. Oh, well, we just took two seconds out right here. Well, that two seconds, you know, can make a huge difference because now you're, you know, if you're, let's say you're doing an electronic dance music type piece and you have a kick drum that's cutting on the cuts, right? And then they cut like two seconds out in the middle. And now the kick drum's not cutting on the cuts anymore. And then how do you make, you know, so these, all these things, uh, present their own technical hurdles which every composer struggles with and gets annoyed at but that's just part of the collaboration yeah and i mean that's your resume going out there to the world so it's like you want it to be as good as possible exactly exactly and and yeah people notice when things aren't right so yeah <laughs> so those are some of the challenges that you face when you're trying to make a regular score and earlier in the interview you said that when you're doing an underscore it has kind of some of its own problems and its own challenges so what are some of these extra things you're dealing with when you're doing an underscore for a movie yeah so uh, i mean generally you're doing the score and then there's elements which are considered to be underscore and 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 more uh, others that are considered you know score uh the underscore for the for the scenes the challenge is coming up with the right mm, the right feeling but it's often it's how to be out of the way more it's easy to be in the way and you know it's easy to you know hey look at me look at me i'm this is what i'm making you know i'm a, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sad i'm sad oh um that's easy sometimes staying out of the way but still creating movement can be a challenge uh but also very very cool and very fun i mean you can use people do you know very cool abstract things with sound sometimes to to navigate through a scene you know if you if you watch a rough cut without music it, a, a film feels very dead you know uh yeah maybe dead's the wrong word but uh very flat um you know, that technique can be used on purpose and sometimes to great effect. I mean, sometimes the very best thing you can do is take the music out of the film uh, in a, a particular scene because it just makes it so present. You know, uh, it feels so right there and you are just, you know, almost like you can't breathe because it's it can be it can be very intense. Um but yeah, creating a subtle underscore uh, it it can be can be a challenge, and 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 uh, uh, because you're trying to navigate through these different sometimes and sometimes they're long too. You know, sometimes you're looking at a a five minutes of of meandering, um, and and that's not meandering with with purpose, uh, and that's not <laughs> totally easy to do. I mean. Uh, you know, it, it's easier when you're out front center and you have, you know, this is the goal uh, when it's when it is 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 more ambiguous and it's it's more subtle and it, it's these long durations. It can be very nerve wracking sometimes. Sometimes it, it's not so hard, but sometimes. Yeah. It, yeah, it's so funny. I feel like at least one time every interview, usually multiple times per interview that I do. 
um, somebody is talking about something relating to their job or their hobby, and there is just like smack dab verbatim what they're saying is just great life advice. You know, like this lesson that they're learning and work completely yeah. pertains philosophically to just how you should live your life. And that thing that you were saying with an underscore of like, you know, it's like you want it to be there, but you don't want to be overbearing and like, you know, all these things. It's mm. like, that's very much how, you know, we should try to carry ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If we, if we, if we could all pay more attention to our, our regular lives, uh, in that regard. Yeah, for sure. We, we might be better off. So let's, uh, let's start to wind this thing down here a little bit, Chris. So sure. uh, first of all, I would love to know just what it was like the very first time that you ever saw your music in a film. Like after the film was mm. completely done, the music was set to it, and you got to watch the film for the first time. Yeah, uh, so, I mean, in terms of like a real in a theater kind of thing. Right. Um, it. Yeah, it was nerve wracking. I mean, uh, because you're so by by that point, you know, every every little thing. I mean, to go back when I first the first time I we mixed on a real stage, which, you know, essentially what it is, is once the film is done, you've been working on your computers in your studio. Uh, you've, you've heard it in the editing room, you know, this kind of thing. When you go to the sound stage, you're basically in a big movie theater um, or a small movie theater rather, uh, and with lots of speakers and big mixing desks and it's, everything sounds amazing. The room has been tuned, you know, so that everything is just right. So the sound is coming at you with just, this is how it sounds, you know, it's the very best case scenario. And I remember the first time that that happened when I got to, and the music started, I just almost threw up. I was like, oh God, I have to leave the room. Like, <laughs> it's awful. Oh, it sounds terrible. You know, because you could hear everything. And, you know, I was working on, you know, my little computer with my little crappy speakers. And, you know, it's suddenly it's just like, oh my God. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. So it's the that, other, the other side of empathy. Oh, right. Exactly. It was just like, oh, my God. And they were like, no, no, it's fine. You know, it's like, oh, I got to get out of here. Um, so there there was that uh, seeing it in in a movie theater. You know, you're so uh, you know, every nuance of everything at that point. I mean, you've heard the mix so many times, you know how this thing sounds, you know how it should sound. And inevitably, when you get in any movie theater, there's uh, maybe not any movie theater. There's some amazing movie theaters, but most of them, you know, your local movie theater, it's got some real deficiencies in the sound department. Um, and, you you know, you, you hear your your film and it doesn't sound like what you wanted or the room is so big and vacuous, you know, that it echoes all over the place or, you know, you're just, ah, this isn't how it's supposed to sound like. So it's for me in the past, it's been very nerve wracking. Um, but, uh, you know, there's also there's also good moments of, of uh, good versions of that, too. Um, sometimes you're pleasantly surprised, you know, because because it is different. Uh, it sounds different. You're pleasantly surprised like, oh, wow, this this cue really works here. This sounds amazing. I'm really into this. This sounds great. Uh so, you know, both experiences, usually for me, it's a more on the level of, oh, that's not supposed to be like that. I'm always ex <laughs> explaining away the things to the people sitting next to me, you know, oh, that's uh, it sounds better. Here, come over to my house and I'll show you what it's supposed to sound like, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's great. You're just like the worst person to go see a movie with. Oh, totally. Uh, <laughs> 
I'm like, yeah, full of uh, disclaimers beforehand and afterwards, you know? Yeah, that's hard. Yeah. How long is the whole process from start to finish when you're doing a whole movie? Uh, it, it can be, it can be uh, you know, any, every project is different in terms of timelines and schedules. I've done things that drag on forever, and I've done things that have to be done in a few weeks. Um, uh, so yeah, it, it's every, every beast is different, you know? Okay. And then how about, uh, pay? So obviously this is mm. going to be a huge variance, but, um, I, I, I guess I, you know, there's probably even a lot of like pro bono work and stuff that's done for friends, like independent wise and stuff like that. But if you're like hired on for a regular independent movie, um, what would you be looking at getting paid most likely? And then people that do crazy blockbuster movies. And so not, right. not Star Wars, though. So not like the most famous people in all of uh, composition, mm. but, um, you know, just a movie that you that you could go out to the AMC and catch it, any AMC movie theater in the entire yeah. country right now. But it's, let's say, uh, you know, just like a regular movie that's out, not some crazy movie that's out. So yeah, not not what, the top five. But. Right, right, exactly. So, like, what would the difference be in pay between those two things? You know, it's so hard to determine because generally the way things the way things used to be was, you know, a composer was paid a certain amount. Um, now, almost always, uh, the company wants they give you a package deal, which means oftentimes the composer is required to do all the budgeting of the film so they go okay here's you know thirty thousand dollars here's 40 50 whatever it is they they give you they say here's the money you provide the score you're signing a a, a, a contract that you're gonna get it done so all the expenses hiring musicians you know mixing uh whatever the expenses are you know that is on you with that budget so hmm. you're you're going to that and and what that inevitably does is the if you're not careful you don't make any money because it you know all this stuff is very expensive um to do uh that's interesting. So, I thought you were going to say what it ultimately does is reduces the quality that the movie then ends up getting because people are holding on to the paycheck and just trying to do everything so minimally or something. It could be that it could be that. I mean, but but if that's the case, you're not going to be working long as a composer. You know, <laughs> right, you, right. you always want to provide the very best that you can. Um, so, you know, I've I always, you know, spend all the money, you know, or most of it, you know. And so so in that regard, you have to be very smart. And, w and what is that? You know, you develop relationships with people where, you know, not that they'll work for cheap, but that they're not going to nickel and dime you for every, you know, creative you know oh we're eating we're sitting around eating potato chips talking uh and so that, that i'm charging you for that hour you know it, it, right. you develop relationships where you bring people work and they know that you're on a budget and everything is is shared but then we all make money um uh but the the guys at the top i don't even know i mean sometimes you know depending on who you are you know, uh, it used to be that people would get points on a composers could get points on a film, which oh, is wow, owners, really? ownership of the film. That doesn't happen so much anymore. Uh, often that was a way that independent films would pay the composer um, to 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 do the film is give. OK, here's here's one point for you. You own one percent of the film. Um, not done so much anymore. And, it, and in fact, you know, 
a lot of films are made with library music now. You know, the the composer is, I don't want to say it's a dying breed, but, you know, with the advent of uh, digital technology, you know, the way that a lot of people like myself spend their time when they're not working is writing what's called library music, um, which will be, you know, things that sound alike, essentially, things that sound like uh, the latest hit, you know? Um, so they they create um, you know instrumental music cues that uh, sometimes with 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 lyrics, but usually instrumental things that sound you know contemporary and hip uh, that can be that are then you know meta tagged essentially with uh, genre uh, and they can they they go into these libraries and then the editor can drop them in and go oh yeah this is great for this action scene. Um, and then it, it's just a, uh, you know, essentially just licensing it. Um, and so the composer makes a little money if they use that. Um, and but a lot of people are using libraries instead of, you know, hiring a composer to compose, you know, an, an original thing. Um, a, a lot of times people don't want an original thing. They want something that sounds, you know, something that sounds like everything sounds, you yeah, know, totally. Um, so they use, you know, library music. And that's, you know, I know a lot of people in that business who that pretty much takes over their, you know, their, their, their business. Um, and people make good money that, you know, you know, they drop it in the, in the local news or the, the newscast or a commercial uses it or, uh, gets in a movie is, you know, the, you make good money and it's, it's, yeah, you got uh, the same piece purchased multiple times and exactly, exactly. Uh, so that's something that for me, that's not, uh, I don't, I don't do that because I mean, I, I, I have a little bit, but it's not something that I'm drawn to, let's say, because it doesn't, it's not following the bliss, you know, it's not, it's not what I enjoy doing. It's not what I want to do. Uh, it's not creating, it doesn't feel like I'm doing something authentic, uh, or, you know, and and these are high words when you know you need a uh, need a paycheck. You know you got to do what you got to do. Totally. But I, I I unfortunately have a disposition where I tend to just do what I want. Um, <laughs> <so> <laughs> against my own uh, better you know better judgment. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, all right, let's uh, let's finish up with some advice here. So if uh, there is someone listening to this that enjoys playing music and they would like to make a living making music in any way, shape or form, what sort of advice would you give to them? Well, again, I would not, uh, I, this is advice that I myself don't follow, but if, you know, if you want to make a living, I would say, you know, the best advice I can give is to stay, keep up on contemporary trends in music, uh, listen to music and try and and try and create that style. Get well versed in many styles because what what people want out of a composer is the ability to pretty much create anything. I mean, uh, out of the blue and create it and create it well and and fast. And it's got to sound like the real thing. Um, I mean that you know that in and of itself is a is a discussion. Um, I won't, you know, in terms of musicology, you you know, I've had to create stuff that was um, from a different culture, say, and you have to research that music and figure out, well, how do I make something that sounds like this? Um, so I guess the best advice I would give is to to 
go out and listen to a lot of music and try and recreate that in your own way. Try and try and um, try and try and make beautiful things that that uh, in many genres that, that you that you love. Yeah, and that's and overall, I would say, just as general advice, I would say, try and make everything that you make music that you love. So try and make music that you yourself would want to hear, that you would want to listen to, because that will develop the inner voice of good taste within you, which is what guides you as a composer and what your only true unique strength is, I think, is your own inner voice and good taste. Love it, man. Great advice. Chris, uh, thank you so much for your time. This has been such a pleasure. I look forward to seeing you in like 40 years uh, in a cafe yeah, outside absolutely. of Italy. We'll have a little game of backgammon or something and, uh, and, and a chat. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Blake. Hey everyone, it's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you did, I would appreciate it so much if you considered leaving a review for the show on iTunes. I swear it'll only take like two minutes. Um, Just search for the show on iTunes, click on it, click on ratings and reviews. You can leave a quick review um, or just uh, keep listening to the show. I appreciate that as well. Or tell a friend about the show or something. And if you have any ideas for the show, if you have a particular job or hobby that you would like to hear interviewed on the show, if you yourself think that you do something interview worthy and you would like to tell the world about what this job or hobby is that you have, head on over to halfhourintern.com. There's a link right there at the top that says submit your ideas and you could submit your ideas for the show, be them uh, somebody else that you would like me to interview, a particular field that you would like to hear about, or even if it is you yourself that would like to come on the show. Thanks so much for listening, you guys.